0: This is the Ebb and Flow podcast with Id Bailey, where you'll find inspired insights on forward movements in the middle market. Now let's get to the show.
1: Welcome to Ebb and Flow. I'm your host, Clinton Larson, and today's topic is going to be about the hybrid workplace. And joining me to talk about that is once again, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Id Bailey, Lisa Fitzgerald. Thanks for coming back to the podcast, Lisa.
2: Thanks for having me, Clinton
1: and i would like to start with a very pointed question you and i used to see each other every day pretty much <laughs> on a daily basis and so i'm going to ask you if you can remember when was the last time that you and i saw each other face to face
2: oh my goodness clinton i would guess maybe february of 19
1: well oh, no i don't actually i, <laughs> I actually <laughs> okay. don't have an answer to that question cuz i don't know myself <laughs> but the reason i bring that up is cuz i feel like Given our topic and and what our listeners are probably going through, too, you know, they, I'm sure, have similar stories, right, of people right. that they saw every day uh, that they now have not seen in a very long time because there's been a fundamental shift, obviously, in how we work and how we interact with our coworkers because of the pandemic. You know, the office dynamic that we're all used to, it vanished virtually overnight,
2: It did. It did, and let me say, Clinton, I do miss seeing you in the
1: office.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm back some days, so feel free to stop on in in and see me. So, yeah, I, you're right. I think we're fundamentally changed, and there's very. I'm I'm an old HR person, um, so there's a few points in history that I can think of where oh, our our workforce has fundamentally been changed, and this is certainly one of them. Um, I think that we will. Um, continue to work in a more blended way going forward. Uh, in most businesses, most organizations that that are able to do so um, will, will work differently uh, in the future.
1: And that's one of the things we learned from the pandemic. We had to go remote virtually overnight. And, you know, but we figured it out, right? And now we're seeing many organizations want to get back to that traditional office setting because you know we all see the light at the end of the tunnel we want to say okay maybe we can go back to something that resembles normal but i think a lot of employees are saying well wait a minute i kind of like this remote work i kind of like some of the things that are happening right now how can we come to an agreement on on what that means and that i think brings us right to our topic of the hybrid workplace and what that exactly means so maybe we should just start from the beginning and say and define what what does a hybrid workplace mean
2: Hybrid workplace means really a blended model of where I work. So I may work in the office some, but I may work from home or another designation or another location of my choosing um, the other part of my normal work week. So it's really a blended model of in office and working from where I want to work the rest of those days.
1: And I know you've done some work with clients aside from just your your role of an HR at, at Bailey. So have you seen a lot of organizations moving to this kind of idea? Have they been discussing it? What's sort of the feeling you get from from a lot of organizations now as they get out of the pandemic?
2: Many, many, many um, organizations are moving to a hybrid um, workplace. And I think the the larger conversations I've been having around that aren't around, should I do it as an organization? They're around, how do I do it as an organization? So, how do I evaluate what positions might really need to be in an office? And I challenge that—I really do—because I think we've there's several roles that we've said traditionally have to be in an office, and I ask our always ask clients to think differently about that. So, why do they need to be in the office? What are they doing that? requires them to be there. And certainly there are some roles and certain businesses that it makes much more sense for people to be in the office. But I think it's important to challenge yourself to think about why does that person need to really be in the office? Is there a different way to do that work that we've done in the past that would allow someone that same flexibility to work hybrid or, or even remote most of their time?
1: In terms of setting those boundaries and expectations around creating a hybrid workplace, what are some pieces of advice that you would have for businesses who are, like you said, most businesses aren't really considering this anymore. It's one of these things that people are saying, okay, this is something we have to have. So how can they start the process of of building those boundaries and expectations about what daily life is going to be like for their workers?
2: Right. I think there's a, there's a number of things you can do, but I think first of all, you've got to, you've got to have individual conversations with your performers to decide, what is best for them or what do they want and then have a discussion about what makes sense mutually for them as an employee and you as the employer and then very clear expectations for performance and when work gets done, perhaps. So some jobs, we may be able to do the work at night and that's just fine. I spent some time with my kids after they came home from school and I jumped back online, but other roles need to be done during set hours. So definitely expectations around hours, when they're worked, number of hours worked, how this impacts my career, if it does at all. So is there implications for me working remotely that will speed up my career and having really honest conversations about what that looks like? I think it's also really important to have conversations, crucial conversations in a timely manner. So I, it all goes back to being deliberate and, and intentional. So if there's a performance issue that comes up, those are things that need to be addressed immediately. Sometimes it's easier when somebody's out of sight, out of mind to think, oh, I'll, I'll deal with that issue with them next time I see them or whatever it may be. And I think um, we can't put off having those good performance conversations. But I also think in the end, what kind of governs how you go forward as an organization is a good policy in this in this space. So, what are the expectations? Who gets to work in these different models? When might something like this be pulled back in terms of you know maybe the hybrid model isn't going well for you and your individual performance? So, when might those conversations happen? Um, and I also think just even clearly defining what your organization means hybrid model or what your organization means by working remotely um, and just having some standard definition around that. So when you're talking about these things in your everyday work life, you're all talking about the same thing.
1: So as businesses begin to communicate what their hybrid workplace is going to look like, once they get into some of the nuts and bolts of those conversations that you're talking about, you know, with understanding what their employees want and what they need, and then also trying to translate that into a policy that then they can refer back to. What are some of the tips you could give businesses and organizations on communicating their hybrid workplace policy to their employees to make sure that everyone feels heard and also that the organization is establishing something that they can rely on to be consistent going forward?
2: Right. I, I would say I would start way before policy. I, I do think policy is important. And of course, I'm an HR person, so I'm going to say policy is important. But <laughs> I think it's really before that, right? So it's communicating where you're headed conceptually, and again, being very transparent. So talking about, hey, we're looking at this hybrid work model as our you know, model going forward, for example, and um, starting to sketch out what that means, again, so that you're all talking about the same thing and using the same terminology. So you're having discussions about what hybrid work is. You're having discussions um, with your staff about when you think that those types of arrangements will be rolled out. You're talking with staff about what this means for their career how this impacts them but i think those are those are individual conversations certainly but as an organization having these conversations in town hall meetings or written communication or your newsletters or whatever whatever means you you use to communicate with a large population of your workforce you should be starting that before you ever roll out a policy right so I'm, we're talking about all the things that go into hybrid work. And the policies shouldn't be a surprise then. It's all the things you've been talking about for weeks or months rolled into one document that outlines expectations. So the policy is definitely the piece of the puzzle. Policy is the part that's gonna live and, and breathe and guide going forward. But certainly when we, you know, talking about like change management, These are discussions that need to be happening before a policy comes out so people understand why your organization is moving to this type of model or why you've chosen not to maybe in some cases or why certain positions are not going to be able to work in a hybrid model, for example. So all of those things should come first. And then the policy should do you nice, a nice bow on top, but it shouldn't contain really any surprises. The discussions should have already happened, either in large groups or individually, by the time a policy ever comes to be.
1: And what are you seeing uh, from other businesses and other organizations in terms of how many people want to sit, want to go into the office every day? How many people want this hybrid model that we've been discussing? And how many people are just saying like, no, I like this remote work. I want to stay here. Have you, have you seen trends there in any way?
2: What I've seen in our organization, but also what I've seen play out in clients that are saying they're going to offer hybrid work, is about 20% of staff or employees say, nope, I'm that person that prefers to go in every single day. And about 20% are saying, I don't really ever care to come back into the office Um, And then there's about 60% in the middle that are more like, I'd like a few days in and a few days out. And I'd like really, I'd like a lot of flexibility with what my days in and out are. And maybe it's three days in the office one week, but the next week is two. But overall, I'm coming in about, you know, 50% of the time, but it's about 20 on either side, 20% all in the office, 20%, 100% remote and about 60%. That are wanting to come back into an office. That may change over time, Clinton. As we, as more and more people have been working remotely for longer, um, but that's generally kind of the benchmark that I've been seeing, and I think that's played out um, for most of the clients that I work with, and then also for Ida Bailey.
1: That's interesting because uh, that makes it definitely seem like this is not something that's just sort of a post-pandemic transition, this is something that's probably going to become a permanent part of uh, the workplace going forward. Would you agree with that?
2: I would. I really would agree. I think this COVID has fundamentally changed our work landscape, and I don't anticipate it going back um, anytime soon. Uh, I do think there are some people that are craving more interaction or they're tired of working from their apartment or whatever it may be. And so uh, I think it'll swing back some in terms of People realizing maybe as more people are able to gather that they're missing out on uh, collaboration opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I think we see some more people come back into the office that maybe thought they weren't going to. But I, but I don't think we're going to ever, uh, at least in my my working lifetime, um, see a see a model where, and again in most organizations, see a model where everybody's back in the office all the time.
1: And so if if people aren't in the office all the time and we have people who are fully remote who just prefer that way of working how do we make sure that they are remaining engaged with each other and with the organization and its goals how do you make sure that that people still feel that company culture that you know we all got so used to in in you know when we were all in the office together
2: I think uh, there's there's several things that you can do um One is keep communicating, right? I think right. the name of the game has been here. Uh, Lots of communication and uh, lots of transparency. So I think having regular check-ins with people, um, again, to see how they're doing, um, to talk about vision of the organization um, is really important. Um, Doing some surveying to just see where people are at and trying to figure out Gaps are and how you may help people uh, stay engaged. So through some of those survey questions, um, in person gatherings where it's appropriate and safe to do so are important. Um, You know, a lot of my current team isn't in the office. We're not all together, Um, but we're grabbing lunch once in a while. And I, I had someone say to me like, "Oh, this is maybe really all I need is just to see each other's faces once in a while." Um, so creating safe spaces to have small groups or groups of people um, get together is important. Ongoing communication from your leadership teams about the state of the organization and the vision of the organization going forward, the health of the organization, um, reinforcing culture or culture statements or any of those types of things that your organization may have already at, at play and weaving those in to discussions and continuing to talk about how culture is important and why um, why we're great at what we do and um and how we how we serve our our customers i think is also really really important re-recruiting our existing staff so having conversations about Why they're there, what what makes them stay, um, what would make them leave um, and addressing any concerns, I think, is also uh, really, really important.
1: And there's another side of that, too, from a management perspective in terms of like, you know, how do I maintain the relationships I need to maintain to to mentor people, to to give people the opportunity to build their skill set? to grow their career when I, when I don't see them every day in the office. You know, there was very much, I think, a, you know, a face-to-face meeting with your manager was, you know, such a critical part of the office life, you know, before. So now when we're not, when we don't have that option, or maybe that option just isn't as efficient as it used to be, how can, how can we make sure that our people get the mentorship opportunities they, they need? How can we make sure that they're building their skill sets in ways? And how can we make sure that we're monitoring performance in a way that boosts everyone involved?
2: Right, I think one of the things that happens in organizations is really the informal mentoring and learning that happens. Right, the walk by a conference room, see people in, stop by, uh, pass in the hallway, ask a question. Um, So that informal development and learning is non-existent in some cases. Right, so how do you make up for that? And that's that's the hard part. But it really comes down to intention. And being intentional and deliberate, I, I don't know how else to to really say it. It's it's I now recognize I didn't have that hallway conversation, or I'm not having those anymore. Therefore, I'm going to have to schedule more time um, to have those conversations very deliberately, weekly, daily, whatever it may be. Um, but I think the role of the manager um, becomes more difficult, uh, more more challenging um, in this in this new world of work because you you're the conduit right between how your employees perform and what the organization is expecting um, for uh, performance or results, but you've got to work really hard and be really deliberate about your interactions and about um, people's development overall. Some of it happened kind of through osmosis, Clinton, like you were saying right Mm -hmm. before, and that just isn't going to happen in the same way. So we have to be deliberate and intentional and have really good conversations.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is going to be uh, a monumental change for a lot of us in terms of the office dynamics that we are used to and where we go from here. It's really hard to tell. I think like we said, it's gonna be a permanent change, but what that change means in the long run is going to be really hard to say. We're all just gonna to have to kind of figure it out together, kind of like we did in the beginning of the pandemic, I guess.
2: Exactly, and I think that's important to tell your tell your teams, right? We're trying this. We're figuring this out as we go go to. And just to be open and honest about we may pivot, we may change, we may pull back, we may, right, we may make a different decision. We're navigating this right along with you. And we'll just make sure we communicate well and upfront of any changes that we need to make as we navigate this new world of work.
1: Right. So yeah, more to come. And uh, this has been a really great topic, Lisa. And I appreciate you being on the podcast again. And I look forward to seeing you again in the office soon.
2: I hope so, Clinton. Thanks for having me today.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. At I'd Bailey, what inspires you, inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting, advisory, and technology services with your business in mind. Visit our website to access tools and resources tailored for you. idBailey.com slash This podcast is distributed with the understanding that iBailey LLP is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. For audience questions and topic ideas, visit iBailey.com slash ebbflow. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash E-B-F-L-O-W. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in next time.